I have an idea for the beginning. Okay. Audio action. <laughs> okay, if we try to say it together, it's not gonna work because it's Skype. <laughs> okay, so how? Do you- <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Your laugh it sounded like a guitar. <laughs> Because the audio got messed up, so it's like, ay, ay, ay. but it sounded like you're plucking guitar strings. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, um, we just how do you want to not even it? try? No, that's, we can't just not, no. That, that <laughs> I just got really upset about the cheesy intro that we do every week. <laughs> okay, let's do it then, and then they can say, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Ready? Sure. Salutations. I'm Sophia's friend Bronwyn. And I'm Bronwyn's friend Sophia. And this is Quotes and Anecdotes. Have you listened back to it when we've done this before? Because it's so off. It's very funny, though. Um, Yeah, so hi, guys. Hi, everyone. We are back on Skype. Bronwyn and I have had some bad luck with technological difficulties over the past few weeks. We, in fact, recorded this episode on Saturday, and we we did an hour of it, and it was a good episode, I think, and it was, like, really nice, and then the voice memo wouldn't play. So now we are on Skype, which has been another technological difficulty because we can't, couldn't figure out, like, what was going on with headphones and all that fun stuff, but we are here to bring you an episode this week. And we're going to do our best. The, again, the audio might not be quality, but it's the best we could do in order to get an episode to you this week. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy. Yeah. Um, what was the other, like, management thing we were going to say? Oh, yeah, the last, sometimes our episodes have been getting a little long. Like, uh, our last one with Ashi was over an hour, I think an hour and 15 minutes, which I think is a little bit long for what we're trying to do here. So we're going to try to keep it from now on the podcast episode length from about 45 minutes to an hour. So, yeah, I think longer than that is just too much. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that we did say at the same time. Also, my dog is dreaming right next to me and he's twitching his little toes. Oh, that's amazing. Last week when we recorded last week, a couple of days ago when we recorded this, we had my little foster puppy by us, but now you have your, your Caspian. But yeah, okay. last when we recorded this before, we were at Sophia's house and she had her foster, which was so fun. It was amazing. We nicknamed her um, Pup de Mort because she is, I don't know, she does, her name is, is not a good name and it doesn't suit her at all. So we were trying to figure out nicknames for her and none of them were really working, but on Saturday, I came up with Puptomore, and then she truly lived up to her name on Sunday when we came home, and we found a roll of toilet paper ripped up and all over the floor. So she 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 truly is Puptomore, but she's the sweetest little thing, just so many kisses and so much love. We love her. Sophia and I took some great pictures of her. Yes, we had a little photo shoot, and it was wonderful. Well, why don't we get into wordlets for the week? Let's do that. Um, I think Oh, I get to go first with my my wordlets this week. I'm very excited. So my first wordlet this week is zither, um, which is a musical instrument consider- consisting of a flat wooden sound box with numerous strings stretched across it, 
placed horizontally and played with the fingers and a plectrum. It is used especially in Central European folk music. So zither is, I think, an older instrument that's not really used very often. Um, and the way I found this was, I think I've mentioned this before, but I've been doing a lot of research on some Chinese history. And I read a book called The Valley of Amazement, which is very, very long, but a good a good book and definitely a good read. And there are it's set in courtesan houses and the courtesans and the courtesan houses, they have zithers and they play their zithers. Um, so that was where I found this book, this wordless. And I just thought it was really cool. I think any word because the letter Z is kind of rare. I think any words that start with a Z are just kind of cool. And so I, I really like the word zither. Q's and Z's are cool. Yeah. Two great letters. (laughs) Okay, so my first word is contumacious. Um, And it's a word that means stubbornly or willfully disobedient towards authority figures. Um, And it's fun. Uh, A lot of letters there. And it just looks very cool. I don't remember where I heard this. I think, oh, you know what? This is what happened. I had a whole list of wordlets, a whole long list of them. But then I got a new computer, which is great, but I don't have a list of wordlets. So <laughs> last minute, I had to Google some new wordlets. And I found this, and it was quite fun, and I liked it. Um, and I think it's always a good time to be contumacious at now and night again. We talked about this when we recorded the episode for the first time, and Bronwyn was like, I think I can be contumacious. And I was like, no, Bronwyn, my friend, you do not. I don't think you're very willfully disobedient disobedient towards authority figures. I think you might be correct, Sophia. But it's still... (laughs) I was going to say it's it's still nice to imagine myself like that. Um, You want to be willfully disobedient towards authority figures? You want to imagine? I, you know, <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm a rebel. Am I? That no. can be debated. I use 10.5 font instead of 12 font. Wow. But other than that, I'm not quite true. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. your second wordlet? <laughs> My second wordlet is something that I think Bronwyn actually is, and I think we can all agree that Bronwyn is loquacious. Um, which is which means tending to talk a great deal or talkative. So I don't remember where I found this one either. Likely in that same book, the the Valley of Amazement has like just a lot of really cool words, and I really loved it. Um, but yeah, I liked the way it sounded. We just talked about Q's and Z's, but this one has a Q in it, and Q's are fun. <laughs> um, and it was a word I'd never heard before, so I liked it. Loquacious. I feel like words that ends with like aceous always sound delicious. <laughs> you know, That's they're all like very like wholesome words. Scrumptious, delicious. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah. Scrumptious and delicious are two of them. Moving on. Ronwin, do you want Oh wait, no, you have your second word. Your second word is wonderful. It's a it's a biggie. So my second word is Numano ultramicroscopic silicovanconiosis. That's 
Numano ultra microscopic silico volcano that's where I get tripped up. Volcano coniosis. And apparently the longest word in the English language. Um, and it's a lung disease caused by inhaling very fine ash and sand dust. Um, and it was actually kind of cool because it's made up of a bunch of like different, like I recognize a lot of the roots of mm-hmm. a Me lot of, of this word. Um, and like, so new is like pneumo, which is like lungs. Mono is one. Ultra is like a lot, basically. Micro is small, microscopic, small. Silico uh, in Greek originally meant sa- uh, flint, but it's like sand and that kind of thing. And then volcano. It's a volcano, but it's like I think that's a, a, often when people get pneumono ultras microscopic silico volcano coniosis is after a volcano because there's lots of fine sand and ash in there so it's a fun word indeed i think the the issue with recording again is like now i remember all the we don't make that many jokes but like all the things we said and then it feels old to just say them again but i do remember us saying like you can impress your friends when they start coughing by just saying, like, oh, you better go to the doctor. You might have a case of pneumono ultra microscopic volcano You missed a whole word. Silicon! <laughs> it's <about> silicon! Pneumono yeah. <laughs> ultra microscopic silicon volcan. Whoa. Scopic yeah, and see. silicon right after? Volcano coniosis. Wow, that was <laughs> Yeah, the ending gets a little trippy. It's a lot of fun, though. It is fun. It's a good word. I like the long words. I like long words, too. That's what makes them fun. Special, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Also, like, but most people don't have a lot of patience for long words, so then if you use it, <laughs> it's, like, really impressive. In English right now, we're writing an imitation essay, and we're imitating the style of Charles Dickens. That's who, so cool! Yeah, I'm actually really excited about it, because he writes... Every sentence is about three times longer than it needs to be. And he, like, he'll use, like, inverted syntax. So he'll, like, say things a little bit backwards. But, like, it still makes sense. But instead of being, like, um, the, like, people were very sad. It's, like, the sadness of the people overwhelmed the... Uh, it just goes off on and on. And it's just very fun because you get to learn, use words like loca- loquacious and con... I forgot my word, contumacious, and it wouldn't seem out of place. So get excited for the next few weeks because I have a ton of quotes from the book that we read. Oh, fun. By Charles Dickens. A ton of words, I mean. I think I said quotes. I mean words because he uses a lot of cool ones. So, yeah. And what's your final wordlet? Um, well, <laughs> you guys are going to think we're crazy when I explain where it's from. But you know what? It's fine. My last wordlet is Gesamtkunstwerk, which is a German word which has come to be accepted in English as a term in aesthetics. That means a work of art makes that makes use of all or many art forms or strives to do so. And you would think, you know, I heard the word Gesamtkunstwerk in some sophisticated book or class about art. 
No, I heard this from a YouTube video about a poker app. So yeah, there was. It's the new and updated poker app. There was a fellow who apparently there was a rap in the past that tried to like rap all of the names of the Pokemon, and but it wasn't all the Pokemon. So then a wonderful fellow decided, no, we're gonna do all eight hundred and something. Pokemon. It's a very good song. It's nine minutes long, but it's a very good song. It it is. It's a, it's an interesting song, but in the video he kept uh, the fellow. I don't know. Why I keep saying fellow, but he <laughs> Brian kept, David Gilbert. Brian David Gilbert, exactly. Um, he kept mentioning uh, how this was going to be a true Gazam Kun's work, and honestly, I think it was. Yeah. So if you have a chance, go check out. Um, what's it called? Poker Rap Unraveled? The, the Perfect Poker Rap, yeah. Oh, there we go, yeah. Um, Perfect Poker Rap by Brian David Gilbert. It's, it's a good video. quite a trip. The The video is, um, you will be taken on a journey, I can guarantee you that. But, yeah. It's very good. It is very good. But, moving on, Bronwyn, would you like to explain what our topic is? <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I really would love to describe our topic. So our topic this week is important for everyone because it's food. And although Sophia and I aren't necessarily foodies or maybe we're not the best chefs and certainly not good at baking... (laughs) One of us may or not may or may not be completely incompetent in the kitchen, but you know what? And one of us may be beyond incompetent in baking. <laughs> but nonetheless, we will be discussing food this week. Because, you know, who doesn't love a nice old BLT? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're getting about <laughs> foods. You went with the BLT. Yep. What ones you could have gone for? You know, actually, this reminds me, we had a conversation in um, our, my social studies class today about, like, literally just, it was random, we were all supposed to be doing our work, and then one of our, the people at our table, or at a different table was like, what food, if you could only choose one food that you had to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I think one person said mozzarella sticks, which would not be my choice. No, same. I think our teacher said pasta. I related to that a lot. I don't know what, what sushi would be. Or pizza. Really? Because you can put anything on pizza. Pizza is a good idea. I, I would do pizza. Sushi's I, amazing. I don't, I don't know. I like too many foods. <laughs> good news is we don't have to make that decision. Instead, we can talk about all the different foods and food-related things that we would like to in the time that we have today. Here in this Which episode. is not much because we've wasted a lot of time talking about oh, dogs and food. But you know what? We're going to get there. So, Sophia, what's your first word about food? My only word about food is community. Right. Um, which is the definition of community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Or the, def- the second definition, which I like better is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, which I really love. Um, And the reason I chose community is because, and this goes into a little bit of anecdotes here, 
But I feel like there's this incredible sense of community among people when you sit down to eat a meal together. Um, so like, for example, my family, it's very important in my, to all of the members of my family that we eat dinner together every night. And that's where we talk about our day and we just kind of have conversation. A lot of laughter tends to happen at dinner. Um, and there's just something so amazing about sitting down around a table with a group of people and sharing food and like just eating this thing that we all need to survive. Um, and we've decided to do that with these people. Um, and I think that's really amazing. So the etymology of community um, comes from Latin, communis. When, when, oh, you told, you told me how to pronounce this in French and I already, I've already forgotten. Um, but old French, communete. Communete. <laughs> this is the most Spanish way to say it. Um, communete. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. And then Latin, communitas. And English, common, which turned into community in late Middle English. But yeah, I just kind of love the word. I think it's super fitting for food because, yeah, I mean, I think you said it, but there's a lot of, I I think historically it's had a big part in community. It's what brought people together just by necessity. People could only get food if they worked together, but then that's carried on to like present day when it's like celebrations always involve food, right? Yeah. You go to a party, there's food. You go, banquets are a big thing. It's like sharing food is a very important like ritual basically right yeah I didn't even think about that that's amazing yeah what is your word for food Bronwyn well so when we originally did this episode I forgot to do a word and then I was like oh darn I can't think of a word and then I decided you know what no I can think of a word and so I was like oh perfect word nostalgia turns out I had already done nostalgia however we did need to record so I just knitted nostalgia and pretended that I didn't know that we had already done nostalgia. <laughs> we paused the recording and was like, let's check if we haven't done this before. We checked photography. We had, in fact, done it for photography. Bronwyn was like, it's fine. We'll just pretend we didn't do it and ignore it. And that's how that happened. So maybe this is a blessing in disguise. But my new word, which Sophia actually suggested, is culture. I did? Yeah, you did, actually. Oh. <laughs> um, and so the dinner... Du- 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 <laughs> <laughs> the definition... Well, we guys, that wasn't her mic breaking up. It was actually just her struggling. <laughs> if you can't tell, it's a Monday afternoon at 4.35 p.m. Had a lot of um, people, but you know, I'm excited to be recording this, this episode. Same, same. Um, so, <laughs> so the definition of the word culture is the arts and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively, which quite a mouthful, yeah. or the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation. A particular nation. <laughs> uh, particular nation, people, or other social group. We have a. We always choose a font for each episode, and I oh, thought I, it said. 
yeah, a population. Keep... So it's going to say a population. And last second I saw it was a particular. So it was a particular. Uh, but yeah, so I think, I mean, I think it, with word, with food, it more relates to the second. I think that culture relates to food because in every culture, food is just as important, but they just have a different, whether it's like a different type of food, which can be so different when you go place to place, or different customs associated with eating it, whether yeah. it's where they, whether they sit on the ground, whether they sit at a table. Um, it's really interesting how everyone has some sort of, I said this before, but like some sort of ritual associated with food. Um, and when you go place to place, it really can change. Um, and I think it, I've heard people describe food as a really good representation of different cultures. Um, and I don't know. I just find it interesting. I love trying food from all places around the world. Um, my family is from Canada, so there's not too much food that's exciting there. But I love when I go to friends' houses and if they're from other places around the world and their parents cook like traditional food and stuff. I find that so I love it. It tastes good. And it's just like there's something warm and unique and special about it that I really enjoy. It's amazing that you appreciate that, too, because, like, I think a lot of people kind of not maybe they just don't like consider the cultural aspect of food. But like it's very especially now with like you have we have a lot of access to all kinds of different types of food. It's important to, I don't know, consider like, oh, this is a really interesting food that I'm consuming I don't really know where I was going yeah well like take advantage of it and stuff exactly you know and like I don't know I've gone to some I've gone to Sophia's house a couple of times like after school and um about like once a week her grandmother comes and teaches her Chinese and like I don't know you, you can talk about it a little bit if you want but like they always have dumplings like as a snack right after school and I was like lucky enough to like go there a couple of times and have it and it just was such a special I just found it such a cool and special thing that you guys like I don't know like oh thanks like share the culture yeah it's it kind of it had kind of become like our tradition we would come home and eat dumplings and then learn Chinese and it 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 was it was nice and we also like we all had our little different sauces that we it was a yeah just an interesting cultural thing and by the way, my family, like, really, like, loved that you appreciated the dump. Like, I told them, oh, my gosh, Bronwyn was so happy that we had dumplings when she came uh, to after, because after Chinese, we would record a podcast episode sometimes. And um, I, w- I would tell my family, like, she really enjoyed the dumplings, and that made them very happy. So it's good Aww. to express that as well. When Yeah, definitely. So the etymology of culture, (laughs) Um, so the word culture comes from Latin, uh, colere, meaning tend or cultivate, then French, cultura, uh, Latin, cultura, growing or cultivation, French, culture, medieval Latin, (laughs) medieval Latin, culturare, English, cultivate, and then in Middle English culture, sorry, my sister came into the room <laughs> and it threw me off. Okay, yeah, so do you want to talk now? <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Should we move on to quotes? Yeah, so Sophia, what's your first quote? Uh, my first quote 
is sharing food with another human being is an intimate act that should not be indulged in lightly. And that was said by Mary Frances Kennedy Fisher, who was a preeminent American food writer. She was a founder of the Napa Valley Wine Library. Um, and over her lifetime, she wrote 27 books, including a translation of The Physiology of Taste by mm. a name that I can't pronounce. So that's pretty cool. Um, oh. Yeah, definitely. Definitely someone who's qualified. Yes. Someone who enjoys food. Um, but I just really love this quote because um, the idea that sharing food with someone is an intimate act that like people shouldn't take for granted, I think that... Um, very true and I don't know the fact that I think I talked about this um, the last time we recorded it but when you for example when you invite someone over for dinner and you say it's kind of saying like I want you to come into my home and eat this food that I've prepared for the two of us and we're going to eat it together and have this aspect of community I guess and enjoy this friendship and this food together and that's I think a really vulnerable thing to do and also a really intimate thing that maybe some people might take for granted um but like sharing food and sharing a meal is something really important um in like bonds that we have with your family and with friends and colleagues yeah yeah no like no one like, everyone can, like, have a conversation or even just, like, hang out or text or whatever, but it's, like, a extra level of specialness, you yeah. know, if you, like... Yeah, it's an added layer. Like, you don't just say to a random person that you just met, like, oh, why don't you come to my house and I will cook dinner, right? Like, it's kind of a... something that you do for special, you know? <laughs> yeah, special. definitely for someone special. It also okay. makes me think of, like, Lady in the Tramp. Yeah. yeah. It's an example of it. I love the scene with the spaghetti, and when they, like, eat the spaghetti and their noses kiss, it's the best. It's I haven't seen Lady in the Tramp in, like, years, but I can still picture that scene. It's amazing. We should just, like, have a really chill sleepover where we put on these super old, nice movies, like Lady in the Chair. Yeah, and then have the Harry Potter marathon. Oh, yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> that would be so fun. Okay. What's your first quote, Bronwyn? So, I have a lot of, like, funny quotes. Um, <laughs> they just all made me laugh while I was choosing them, so I really liked them. So, my first quote is, he was chugging brown pop from a can jacket handed him while he stuffed nacho cheese Doritos in his face. I was glad to see he looked lots better almost completely like himself which proves Doritos and brown pop really are health foods that's by PC cast um and I just this made me laugh because while we were preparing the episode we were literally eating Doritos and drinking like coca-cola and root beer and it made me laugh because that's literally what it is um but on a more like I don't know serious note it's also like a nice quote because it talks about how while it's important that like you pay attention to health food and you eat as healthily as possible and there are so many benefits to doing that and many people worry about that and worry about what they eat and that, that's definitely a very good and very important thing however if every now and then eating some junk food makes you feel good 
eat some junk food, you know? Absolutely. If you had a bad day and you're like, I just don't want to think about it, I just want to eat a big old thing of ice cream, eat a big old thing of ice cream. You'll be fine if you do that. Or, like, that's not going to ruin your life, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think, like, it's it's important to keep that in mind. Just, just like, just once. Give your, if you, especially if you're someone who places a lot of importance in eating healthily and constantly eating healthily, sometimes, like, a little bit of ice cream or Doritos or soda is not going to kill you if that's what is going to make you feel better after a really long, hard, or just a bad day. Like, you can, it's it's important to remember that, I think, sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even if they're not health foods for your body, maybe in this moment, they're health foods for your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so PC Cast. Uh, also known as Phyllis Christine Cast, is an American romance and fantasy author known for the House of Night series she writes with her daughter, Kristen Cast, as well as her own Goddess Summoning and Parthalon book series. Oh. So, yeah, pretty cool. Authors are always fun. I love authors. I also was taking too long preparing the episode, so, uh, so Sophia... Uh, I just <laughs> called you Archie. So, Sophia found all the descriptions for people so I actually don't know who these people are and I'm learning at the same time as you listeners are well except not really because we did record this except I don't remember any of them Sophia ah, so learning, <laughs> learning again I guess yeah and then promptly forgetting again <laughs> it's okay so uh, what's your second quote Sophia my second quote is from a book that both Bron and I love which is, if more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. And that was said by Gandalf in the book The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. So I'm sure you guys all know who J.R.R. Tolkien is, but if not, he was an English writer, poet, philologist, philologist, there you go, academic, who is best known as the author of the classic high fantasy works The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, and The Silmarillion. There yep. you go. When we first recorded it, I had, to, I had to correct Sophia. Well, although that would have been funnier, not a comedy, Sophia, I'm glad you learned how to pronounce <laughs> I would have preferred that my pronunciation mistakes would not be the subject of rock <laughs> jokes for at least one episode. It would be very nice. <laughs> But yeah, I just kind of, I loved this because The Hobbit, we talked about this in our book episode, but it's, it's a really, really nice book and it's just like super cheery. And the premise of it is there are these dwarves who, and they need Bilbo to help them on their mission to find um, hoarded gold by, who, which is hoarded by this dragon uh, in the mountains, I think. I don't yeah. uh, want to go super far into it. But they come to find Bilbo, and Bilbo's just like this cheery little fellow who he's when they first come, he's like, no adventures today, thank you. And he just kind of wants to eat food and be happy and sing with his all his little hobbit friends. And it's just it's such a philosophy of life, I think, to just value food and cheer and song above money. I think if more of us in this world, I mean, just as the quote says, um, if, if we all, I think, valued, you know, eating meals together and being happy and singing together above money, we 
I think we would all be happier and the world as a whole would be happier. Um, but so I just really loved what this quote was pointing out and also how food can be a part of that. Like, yeah, you know, it's like valuing the small things in life. Exactly. And sometimes when you get together with your family or a group of friends and you eat a meal, it's I don't know. So, yeah, I really like this quote. I just it's just wholesome. It is wholesome. What's your next quote? So my next quote is, a cheese dip is good. It's for when you're like, you know what, I've had a long day, I'm just going to eat a big bowl of cheese, and I'm not going to care about it. And it's kind of similar to my first one, um, but I just liked it, because again, talking about, you know, just eat what you want to eat. It's okay, just eat what you want to eat. Um, and it made me laugh, especially because the person who said it, is Anthony Porowski. Um, and if you remember from our TV show episode when we talked about the show Queer Eye, he's the person who's the food and wine expert um, on that show. So it made me laugh because I was like, oh, this is like a chef who's talking about, you know what, sometimes I don't feel like I, making this elaborate food. I love that his whole premise on the show as well is to get people to eat healthier. Well, not necessarily eat healthier, but like eat food yeah. that is, is better for them and is going to make them happier than the usually the not very good food that they um, eat all the time before the five guys come to help them out. So I kind of love the irony of the fact that he's like, you know what? It's okay to eat a big bowl of cheese sometimes. Like you can you can do that. And I think yeah. that's he's a really nice guy too. And he's wonderful. All the guys on Queer Eye are amazing. Go check that out. Maybe this is just the shout out episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Anthony, per- <laughs> Anthony Porowski is a Polish-Canadian reality TV personality, actor, chef, and model. He is known for his role as the food and wine expert on the Emmy Award-winning Netflix series Queer Eye. Um, so yeah, I just, I liked that, um, a love of food doesn't always have to be a big banquet. It could yeah. be a big old bowl of nacho cheese dip. I think that's amazing. You know, the other day, this is a tangent, oh no, well, the other day I saw this post which was saying on Instagram, and it said, a single nacho Dorito holds more nacho spice than a peasant in England in the 1400s would have in their lifetime. (laughs) So there you go. That's really inspiring, actually. (laughs) Is it? I mean, not inspiring, but like... It's nice. It's like, you know what? Eat that Dorito. There you go. Uh, so, what's your next quote, Sophia? My next quote is this. <laughs> it seems to me that our three basic needs for food and security and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the other. So it happens that when I write of hunger, I am really writing about love and the hunger for it, and warmth and the love of it and the hunger for it, and then the warmth and richness and fine reality of hunger satisfied, and it is all one. And that was also said by Mary Frances Kennedy Fisher, who I explained in my first quote. And I really loved this because um, it kind of details the, the needs that we have I don't know, just everyone is human beings. We all need to eat and we all need to eat food. And I like to believe that in order to survive, human beings also need to be loved. 
Um, and I had never really heard the idea that this, um, these two qualities of food and love are combined. And I think it's really true because, um, I think we mentioned this before, but, uh, like a mother's love when, um, this isn't necessarily what I think of when I think of food, but looking up quotes, I realized that a lot of them were about like, oh, my mom's cooking and things like that. Um, but um, not even mothers, but just like parents in general, when for the first for first couple of years of your life, you really are unable to fun not function. Obviously, you're able to function, but you're unable to care for yourself really at all and that you can't cook without someone being there to make your food for you and so for the first many couple of years of your life a parent or a guardian has to cook for you and I think there's something really special about that and so in that way I I guess like love and food are intertwined and I don't know I just kind of loved that she was saying like it's all connected and you know food food and love and security are are more intertwined than we might think. Yeah, no, and I definitely think that, like, it's kind of shows that you're on some level grown up when you're able to cook for yourself, and it's, like, your parents' job, and one of, like, the main examples of your parents' job is, like, they're providing for you and, like, bringing yeah. food for you on the table and, and stuff. Basic and actually very, yeah, it's, it's part, one of the reasons why food is such a... Um, an amazing thing because it's kind of a universal, relatively universal thing. I think that when someone's young, their parent or parent figure is the person who's cooking for them and taking care of them and stuff. So it's very cool. What is your third quote? So my third quote is, training is everything. The peach was once a bitter almond. Cauliflower is nothing but cabbage with a college education. And this is by Mark Twain. I particularly like this quote because it's funny. <laughs> um, and literal, it's kind of interesting to think of where your food comes from. Um, even though I know this quote isn't meant to be taken literally. Uh, I don't think people really think about how the food was once a seed that was planted by someone. And then it grew into a plant and there was a flower and then flower turned into a fruit and then someone harvested it. And it got all the way to your table. And I think it's really interesting because it doesn't even sound that profound until, like, you've done something like harvest your own food. Like, Sophia and I do a farm program where we, like, work at the farm and we um, harvest food that we sell at a farm stand. And it's kind of, you feel very proud of it. And you get to see it turn from, like, this you eat the food that you harvested and you worked hard. Yeah. do and I think that's it's just amazing and it's like hard work to get like there's weeding involved there's planting there's watering and it's not easy um but it's very gratifying to like if you work at the farm stand to be selling that food to you and I don't know it's very cool um and I another example of it was when I was homeschooled I did a wilderness program and we would have like an overnight about like once every session and in the overnight we would go out and like forage for food and it's not even in in a crazy exotic place it's like just around where we live and we were able to find enough stuff just around in the little woods 
to make a full salad or we made like some cooked greens once and it's just really cool to um be able to do that and it's definitely a very special thing that's amazing um so yeah yeah and in the metaphorical sense of course it's no one starts at the top you have to work hard to get there but yeah so Samuel Langhorne Clemens, known by his pen name Mark Twain, was an American writer, humorist, entrepreneur, publisher, and lecturer. His novels include The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and its sequel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, um, which I think many of you must have heard of. So, yeah. And what's your last quote, Sophia? My last quote is, I think preparing food and feeding people brings nourishment not only to our bodies, but to our spirits. Feeding people is a way of loving them, in the same way that feeding ourselves is a way of honoring our own createdness and fragility. Um, and that was said by Shauna Nyquist, um, who was born in Barrington, Illinois, and who studied English and French literature at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. She is an author and a blogger. Um, so yeah, I this kind of goes back to two the things that we were saying before. Um, one is like how bringing someone into your home kind of in, increases that well, bringing someone into your home to have a meal kind of increases that like vulnerability and as if saying like you I would like to invite you to come to the place where I live and I'm going to cook you a meal that I made which is going to sustain us for the rest of the night and we're going to talk while we're doing it and it's it's just kind of this like really intimate thing um and it's something that I think can also feed your spirits, um, which is an interesting concept. Um, and also the same thing that we were saying with the last quote with uh, like parental love, like when you as a parent feed your child, that's a very interesting bond that, I don't know, I hadn't really considered before. Like when you feed your child, that's something very, very special and it helps. I think it might help you to bond with your child. Yeah. I'm not I'm really sure. But yeah, I loved, I kind of loved that that quote kind of encompassed everything that we have already said in this episode. And I mean, even though I'm not good at cooking, I definitely find something special and relaxing about when I do. Like, I don't dislike it. Um, and even if I'm not the best at it, it's, there's definitely something uh, very gratifying about cooking. Yeah, for sure. What's your last quote, Bronwyn? Uh... Let me find it. One of the very nicest things about life is the way we must regularly stop whatever it is we are doing and devote our attention to eating. And that's by Luciano Pavarotti. Um, and I just, it, I liked it again. It made me laugh. But it is kind of funny to think that the two things our lives, like, really just rotate around, or revolve around, are eating and sleeping. Yeah. And we don't question it, but we will be in the middle of doing something, whether if it's at work or school, we'll be in the middle of doing something. And then all of a sudden it just stops and we go and eat food, which we put so much time into preparing. And all it is when you think about it is just like glucose molecule, molecules and stuff. Yeah. It's just like strings of like molecules. But we spend time making it look a certain way and taste a certain way. And we devote so much time to food when you think about it is just something to give us energy right um and i don't know it just made me laugh and it's kind of interesting to think about for sure 
Um, and, yeah, yeah, so Luciana Pavarotti uh, was an Italian operatic tenor who also crossed over into popular music, eventually becoming one of the most commercially successful tenors of all time. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so let's move on to anecdotes, why don't we? Let's do that. So what's your first anecdote? Um, my first anecdote is something that I wanted to mention just super quick. Shout out to my brother, who is an absolutely amazing cook. He made um, a tres leches, which is a cake. Basically, it's a, a cake and three types of milks are in cake. So basically, it's a lactose intolerance night nightmare, um, it, which is evaporated milk, condensed milk, and I think heavy cream. So just so much milk. And it's all like poured into this cake. And he won a competition with it last year, which is very impressive. Um, and he's just incredible. He really enjoys cooking. And he's an incredible, incredible cook. And I, on the other hand, cannot cook to save my life. I am convinced that if I got into a kitchen, I would blow up the house some- somehow. I'd mess it up somehow. I'm trying to get over that fear a little bit because, I don't know, I have very... I'm learning that I have very little common sense. Like I have no sense of direction and I can't cook. Um, but I'm, I'm working on that a little bit, but my, I think my brother is actually really inspiring because he's quite young, but he really knows his way around the kitchen. I've um, tried a couple of the things he's baked before and they're incredible. Like they're very, very good. Like they're like professional quality stuff. It's not even like, Oh yeah. Like, good for like a kid to make it's like professional quality stuff it's really really good yeah he's really passionate about it and we're we're really glad that he loves cooking so much um the next thing i wanted to talk about is um i think i've mentioned this before but i there uh, like you said with your word and culture there are a lot of different cultural aspects in my family because my grandfather is from argentina and my grandmother is from china and then uh, my mom is from the u.s but the first th- the second thing I guess I want to talk about is something Argentine, which is called asado. And basically what asado is, is um, a barbecue that involves meat and so much meat. And that includes steak and chorizo, which is one of my favorite things. It's just a lot of meat. But it's a very, like, cultural thing. And we often have Argentine barbecues in – barbecues, <laughs> sorry um, – <laughs> in the summertime and like I can picture again that sense of family and community like it's hot and humid outside and my dad's outside with grilling on some steaks on the grill and like the sun is setting and my grandfather's out there too and we're all just kind of talking around the grill it's it's just an amazing kind of sense of community and so that's something I think that is a more traditional Argentine thing that we do um so and I think I remember saying like it's all it, it might sound a little bit weird and gross like just a big barbecue of all meat but in reality all of the meat that um aren't like I remember my grandmother talking about how in Argentina it's all grass-fed beef and like it's all very fresh and um yeah so that's just kind of a yeah it's like it sounds a little bit like I don't know just like a little bit like maybe like greasy or just like heavy but like I've had it before and like I went to Argentina and we would have like asado and it's like a very filling and like hearty meal but it's not in a like but it's also fresh and very natural feeling it's not like like just a 
a gross amount of meat you know it's yeah kind of, it's unique definitely it's very well done I think which is which is really yeah nice. um and then also sort of connecting to these Argentine barbecues in the summer um something that I wanted to mention is mate which Bronwyn can talk about a little bit as well since you went to Argentina and experienced this so this is something that like for me I tried mate once when I was uh, a lot younger and like I didn't like it because it's kind of in- bitter and intense it's what it is it's like an herbal tea and it's in a gourd that's passed around in a circle and everyone takes a sip of mate and I didn't like it as a kid so I didn't really participate in this um, but then now as I've gotten older I'd, I'd like to try mate again and see if I enjoy it more now um, but I thought that this was just something cool a cool Argentine tradition that uh, my my dad and my grandfather especially they both have mate um, and it's usually at night I don't know why I don't know if this is just something my family does or if it's more traditional but like after dessert and after all the food has been eaten um, they will pass around some mate and it's great yeah no I went to on a horseback riding trip with like a camping trip in Argentina and the so it was like kind of cool because you really got to see Argentine culture because it wasn't like this thing for tourists. Like it was genuinely like these were people, these are like gauchos who worked on a ranch and this was just like part of the thing that they did. And it was really interesting because I tried it and it was a few years ago, but I remember not particularly liking it, but it was just such a warm thing to do because it was just like, it really was like that sense of community. Like everyone would just sit around in a circle and it was just like, it would have a conversation and just sit and relax and like pass this around. And it was like a really nice tradition that I thought was really cool. Yeah, it is a really good tradition. And I, I really love it. Um, the second or third, I, I guess, thing I want to mention real quick, and then I'll let you go into your anecdotes because I think we might be running out of time. Um, but when I went to Galapagos, I tried a couple of different new foods there. And um, this, I was not, Galapagos is really interesting because it's a relatively new civilization. Like people haven't lived there for a super long time. So there aren't really any foods that are traditional to Galapagos, but there is a lot of mixed culture there because people who live in Galapagos come from all sorts of different places. Um, One thing that was new that I tried while I was there is arepas, which I believe are Venezuelan, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. Um, and the, they are so delicious. They're kind of like sandwiches, but also not, I don't know how to describe them, but if you ever get the chance to try arepas, those are amazing and something that I hadn't tried before Galapagos. So those are amazing. Um, another quick anecdote. Um, I learned how to make banana pancakes while I was in Galapagos. And this was interesting. My, uh, my mother, while I was in Galapagos, she had a son who had a couple of dietary restrictions. So like he couldn't have gluten and there were a couple of other things that he couldn't eat. So she had developed this recipe for banana pancakes that he could eat and they are delicious. And there are all sorts of different flour that you use with them and you can put peanut butter on them and chocolate chips and they're so good. And um, I cannot cook, as I've already mentioned, but she taught me like step by step how to make banana pancakes. And then I wrote down the recipe so that I could come home and recreate it for my family. So now that is the one thing that I do definitely know how to cook is banana pancakes. And it's become like a really sweet story that everyone in my family knows is like, ah, oh, so cool. is banana pancakes. And so we love that. 
And then the last two things real quick were um, while I was in Galapagos, I tried something called the mojito, which I think is a traditional Latin alcoholic drink that's quite good. It um, And I had a non-alcoholic version, but it was really good because it was kind of like, I think it was just carbonated water, maybe like a little bit of flavor and then a mint leaf. And it was amazing. But yeah, those are all of my anecdotes. What are yours? So, um, as I stated before, I, I'm not, I'm okay, I can cook a few meals half decently, but I can't bake. That's the big thing that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, my friend and I decided to bake a cake for uh, our other friend who had a bunch of exams, and we're like, you know what, you finish them all, let's bake her a cake. So we decided to bake her a cake. We spent so long doing it. And then it tasted horrible, and we threw it out. Um, but like a few years ago, I made a cake where I accidentally mixed up baking soda and baking powder, and so the cake only tasted like baking soda. It was horrible, but I thought it was fun, and I made my family eat it. Um, so I've had quite a few baking mishaps. I can make like boxed things, but I'm I should I am definitely wary about being too adventurous because it doesn't ever go well. Um, but I do definitely, um, find it enjoyable to do, so it's quite the situation. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my my brother also really loves baking. No one in my family is quite as good as, like, your brother, who, like, I'm not kidding, like, the cake that he made was, like, very good. I tried that. The, it was very good. Um, but definitely my brother enjoys baking and my sister enjoys cooking as well. Um, yeah, I had a few other, just quick anecdotes, but something that especially my, one of my brothers and my sister and my dad as well, we all just love tea so much. It's like just such a big thing. We go through black tea so quickly, like a big old box is gone, just gone because Every time we walk into the kitchen, you just kind of like turn on the kettle, <laughs> and then by the That's time you're amazing. like ready to leave, I love the that. kettle's the kettle's done, and you get a cup of tea, and you can go on your way. So, just so much tea drinking, <laughs> but it's very good. That's amazing. And then, yeah, and I talked about this before in the Thanksgiving episode, but um, I also, when especially when we were younger, my cousins and I, like we would all have big cousins dinners and it was something very fun um and it would just be the cousins no like adults nothing like that and it'd be in the summer and I just remember having like corn in the cob and that kind of thing and I was usually just on the cusp of being too young to join them but for the times that I was there it was definitely a lot of fun and um even now even though some of my cousins are much older it's really nice because we whenever we have a family gathering we always have a cousin's table and automatically, even though some people are more closer in age with, like, the aunts and uncles than they are with, like, me, we all just automatically go to our own table. And it was really funny because a few years ago, like, my grandma or someone was like, oh, we don't need a cousin's table. We can just have everyone sit wherever they want. But, like, it just still happened. That's amazing. That goes back to, like, that sense yeah. of family and community that comes with food. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And then the last thing is something that's really kind of cool. My dad has to travel a lot for work. Um, and so whenever he goes to a new place, he will bring back little 
like little tiny little presents, but he'll often get like some sort of food from the place. And sometimes it'll just be like chocolates from like Paris or something. But other times he went to India recently and he got he brought back these chips that were quite good. They're quite interesting. I never tasted something like them. But I ate them all in about two days while I was starting this TV show. And so now every time I see that TV show, I just think of these chips, which I'll probably never have again in my life because I don't know where he got them and he didn't get them in the U.S. But every time I watch the TV show, that's what I think of. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have to say about food. And because we don't want to go over time, I think this is where we're going to leave it. Yeah. Um, we just have a few quick shout outs. First to our outro music, which is... Why are you throwing me for a loop and doing outro first? <laughs> our outro music is Blossoming Inspiration, and our intro music is Inspirational Life. Yeah. <laughs> How would you do that to me? A uh, quick shout out to the person who did our cover art. Um, you can find her on Instagram at Dinobyte. That's D-I-N-O dot B-Y-T-E. Yep. While you're there, check out our Instagram at quotes.and.anecdotes. Email yep. us at quotesandanecdotes at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Go check out Queer Eye and the <laughs> Poker App Unraveled. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that's going to do it. Bye, my friend Sophia. <laughs> Bye, my friend Bronwyn. And cut.